0: This episode is brought to you by GSK. For years, we have relied on antibiotics. But what happens if they stop working and a once-treatable infection could be fatal? At GSK, we're one of the few companies continuing to invest in a new generation of antibiotics through our own dedicated team and by working with other scientists. Because antibiotic resistance isn't a problem of the future. It's already here. Welcome, everyone, to another debate from Intelligence Squared U.S. I'm John Donvan of ABC News, and once again, it is my honor and pleasure to be serving as moderator as the six debaters you see sharing the stage with me here at the Skirball Center for the Performing Arts at New York University, six debaters, three against three, will be debating this motion, America is to blame for Mexico's drug war. I want to remind everyone this is not a panel discussion or a seminar. This is a debate. It's a contest. There will be winners and losers. And you in our audience will be the judges. You will pick the winners. You will have voted twice by the time the debate begins, once before and once again after the debate. And the team that moves the most voters, that changes the most minds, will be declared our winner. Speaking first for the motion Fareed Zakaria, he is the host of Fareed Zakaria GPS on CNN. And, Fareed, I'm I'm certain that has nothing to do with getting directions off the the highway. What does the GPS stand for? Global Public Square. Global Public Square. How appropriate for this. Ladies and gentlemen, Fareed Zakaria.
1: Thank you very much. It's such a pleasure to be here. Look, what I thought I would do is try to convince you as best I can that you should vote for this proposition. And we are on the 40th anniversary of the drug war. Uh, The war on drugs was declared by Richard Nixon, and it began a vast effort by the United States government to transform the issue of drugs into one about criminality uh, and war. And it began a massive program in the United States that has spread throughout the region. The results are in, 40 years out, I would argue. We have spent about $1 trillion. Now, if you look at any metric, I would argue that would be reasonable to to apply. The metrics suggest the drug war has failed. It has done nothing to dampen demand. It has perhaps in many ways increased potency and certainly increased criminality. We began this process by interdicting in Miami and then started moving to the sources because the sources also started fleeing offshore. Then we went into Central America. You all remember... Uh, that before we had the heroic wars of liberation in Afghanistan and Iraq, we had the heroic war of liberation in Panama. And so it it then shifted to Colombia. Mexico is only the last in a long line of these drug wars. And so you see the familiar whack-a-mole problem of the drug trade, which is that you push something down and, and something else pops up. You push it out of the Caribbean, uh, it it goes into Panama. You push it out of Panama, it goes into Colombia. You push it out of Colombia, it goes to Mexico. And so in that sense, you have to ask yourself, are we not in some way responsible for it? Well, here's the simple reality. We are the largest consumer of drugs in the world. We have the most demand in the world. And we also have the largest supply of weaponry in the world. 2,000 guns cross the American border every day to go into Mexico. Uh, let us not one more time shirk our responsibility and accept that the United States as the leading consumer of drugs and the leading supplier of weapons has got to be partly or in substantially to blame for this. Mexico is the latest battle. Fritz Okarya, your drug time war. is up.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Our motion is America is to blame for Mexico's drug war and speaking first against the motion Asa Hutchinson, who uh, was a congressman from Arkansas, an elected position, but he's also held significant appointed positions. He was a U.S. attorney. He was uh, in the Department of Homeland Security for uh, controlling border security and was also director of the Drug Enforcement Agency. Ladies and gentlemen, Asa Hutchinson. Thank you.
2: Thank you. And I am, I am here today on this debate topic because I believe it is critically important to the national security of the United States. And I would agree with Farid that we do have responsibilities as United States citizens to reduce the demand for drugs in our country. There is a responsibility, but, ladies and gentlemen, I've noticed something thus far today, and they're trying to change the proposition. The proposition is not that uh, the United States shares some responsibility. The proposition is that America is to blame And I believe there's a distinction between blame and responsibility, or joint responsibility, or some responsibility. And blame is a heavy word that implies that we as a government in the United States are doing something wrong. I agree that we have responsibility, but it's a shared responsibility. Drug consumption is not unique to the United States. Now let me move quickly to why the United States is not to blame for Mexicans' drug war. And the first answer is that Mexico has allowed itself to be a major transit and source country. Uh, They are a transit country, obviously, for drugs, but the source drugs that come from Mexico, heroin, marijuana that they grow in the hills, as well as methamphetamine that they produce, they're sources of that. And they, as a sovereign country, has allowed themselves to be in that predicament. Secondly, Mexico has resisted U.S. help. A key event happened. In February of 1985, Kiki Camarena, a wonderful DEA agent, was captured in Guadalajara, brutally beaten, tortured, and murdered. It was a seminal event in our relations. As a result of that, it was a massive manhunt for the perpetrators of that. Mexico believed that we were infringing upon their sovereignty, and therefore... They resisted any U.S. assistance after that event in 1985. And ladies and gentlemen, I hear today respecting fully the government of Mexico for their sovereignty, but they have made their own decisions. They are the ones that resisted our assistance during that time. The failure of the rule of law in Mexico is one of the largest contributing factors to the violence that we see today. And I was on the crime subcommittee. I asked a question of a cartel member who was brought there to testify. I said, what is the greatest weapon that you fear in the United States arsenal or in law enforcement arsenal? The question came back very quickly. We fear extradition. And why is that? They did not fear law enforcement in Mexico or in Central America. The cartels have operated with impunity, and that is not the fault of the United States. We are not to blame for what has happened.
0: Thank you, Asa Hutchison.
2: Speaking now for our motion, America is
0: to blame for Mexico's drug war. Jeffrey Myron, who is a Harvard economist and whose views on narcotics in this country, I think among this panel, are probably unique. On most drugs, he believes in decriminalization, and with decriminalization, no war. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeffrey Myron.
3: Thank you very much. It's very nice to be here. see so many people interested in this topic. Is America to blame for Mexico's drug wars? The answer is indisputably yes. Why are there drug wars in Mexico? Why is there violence in the drug trade in the U.S., in many other countries? The reason there are drug wars is because the drug trade is prohibited. Whether you think drugs should be legal or not, it's an indisputable fact, based on theory and evidence, that when you drive a market underground, it becomes violent. Why does it become violent? Because participants in an underground market cannot resolve their disputes with courts, with lawyers, by complaining to the Consumer Product Safety Commission, or things like that. They can only resolve their disputes by shooting each other or by threatening to shoot each other. The U.S. alcohol industry was not violent before 1920 when we passed alcohol prohibition. It was then dramatically violent for 14 years until we repealed alcohol prohibition, and then the trade became perfectly nonviolent, just like any other legal good. Now, the second thing to recognize is that the U.S., far and away above any other country, has historically and repeatedly and persistently been the country that has foisted prohibition on the entire world. Starting in 1919, in Paris, at the signing of the Treaty of Versailles, which ended World War I, the U.S. said it would not sign unless there was a clause in the treaty that required every other country to immediately go back and adopt drug prohibition. This is in 1919. Throughout the history of the United Nations, the U.S. has made fighting drugs and prohibiting drugs in particular a key part of the U.N.'s mission. So part of the discussion here clearly is about what people think about legalization. But you don't have to take a stand on that. Regardless of your views on that, the correct position about the motion is that the U.S. is indeed the single factor to
0: blame for Mexico's drug wars. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jeffrey Myron. You have heard three opening statements, and now on to the fourth. I'd like to introduce Chris Cox. The argument has already been made that one of the reasons for Mexico's drug war is the availability of an illicit supply of weapons from the United States. Chris Cox is going to debate that point as chief lobbyist for the National Rifle Association. Chris Cox.
4: Thank you. Look, we can all agree that Mexico's violent drug war is destroying innocent lives on both sides of the border, but some have suggested tonight that lax U.S. gun laws or the lack of enough anti-gun laws are somehow to blame for this crisis. I'm here to tell you that it's not just wrong and it's not just dishonest. It's also a deliberate diversion away from the issues that really matter. So tonight, let's dispose of the lies and start telling the truth on this issue for a change. The truth is they pump about $40 billion worth of product into our country. And it's not just drugs. This is a sophisticated criminal enterprise that seems to be involved in child prostitution, money laundering, trafficking of pirated DVDs. It's a sophisticated enterprise, so it's no wonder. They post profits of somewhere between 14 and $25 billion every year. That's more profit than Microsoft makes. With that kind of money, they're buying whoever they want, whatever they want, wherever it is, no matter what it costs. Judging from the weapons that are seized, we know what they want fully automatic machine guns, RPGs, hand grenades, armored personnel carriers, everything from airplanes to boats. Now, intelligence sources say that this type of weaponry comes from the international black market, places like China and Guatemala. But I gotta tell you, the one place it doesn't come from are American gun shows or some mom and pop gun store in Texas or Arizona, because you can't buy fully automatic weapons there, and you sure as hell can't buy hand grenades RPGs, and helicopter gunships, But there is a, another place that it's available, the Mexican government. According to the New York Times, in the last seven years, more than 100,000 soldiers have deserted the Mexican army. Now, how many people here think that all 100,000 turned their guns in before they betrayed their country? It's ridiculous. Most of them were special forces, former special forces commandos, or many of them were, that went on to form their own drug cartel, the Zetas. But it's not just the military. Last year, more than a dozen ranking or former officials of the Calderon administration were arrested for passing tips on to the drug traffickers. One of them, Mexico's former drug czar. So if you want to talk seriously about this this drug war, you've got to talk seriously about the undeniable institutionalized level of corruption within the Mexican government. We need to stop talking around the issues. We've got enough laws. Everything the drug cartels are doing is already illegal a hundred different ways on both sides of the border. Thank you.
0: I'm John Donban, and you're listening to Intelligence Squared U.S. Oxford-style debating on America's shores. The motion is America is to blame for Mexico's drug war. Stay with us. A reminder of where we are, we are halfway through the opening round of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan of ABC News. We have six debaters, two teams of three, and they're debating this motion, America is to blame for Mexico's drug war. To debate next for the motion, Andres Martinez of the New America Foundation. Andres was born in Mexico, but came to this country and went to a bunch of Ivy League schools, and then he discovered Pittsburgh and the Post-Gazette, and became a, uh, a writer, an editorial writer, and since uh, has written and uh, been on the editorial boards of papers such as um, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, the New York Times, and I give you, ladies and gentlemen, Andreas Martinez.
5: Thank you. First off, I want to I make clear that I understand that some of Professor Castaneda's students are in the auditorium, and I think it's very important to reiterate and remind you that your vote is secret at the end of this, so... <laughs> Your grades will not be affected by coming to the right side here. As John mentioned, I, I, did, I grew up in Mexico in the 1970s in the northern state of Chihuahua, in the capital city of the same name. And back then, it was a pretty easygoing, mid-sized city. My friends and I wouldn't really think twice about hitchhiking home from school. Our parents didn't really worry much about us then. The state of Chihuahua only became a bloody battleground. Its border city of Ciudad Juarez synonymous practically with with murder after the US clamped down on the Caribbean routes via Miami, once favored by the Colombian cartels. And that is what transformed Mexico into the global hub of the trade for, for drugs. Wherever you come down on the moral, health, economic merits of criminalizing versus legalizing drugs, please acknowledge that a continuation of the hi- hypocritical status quo, which criminalizes socially accepted behavior, undermines the rule of law, both in our country and in countries overrun by the goons who arbitrage between our supposed morality and our actual behavior. That may all sound a bit abstract. What's a little erosion of the rule of law between friends? Until you start counting the corpses piling up south of the border. They are closing in on 15,000 just since President Calderon took office in late 2006. And that's nearly three times the number of U.S. servicemen killed in Iraq and Afghanistan this decade. So let's not be distracted by talk of corruption in Mexico or what percentage of guns in Mexico comes from where. Our debate isn't about whether Mexico is like Denmark or about America's gun laws. It is about what happens to a nation that shares a 2,000-mile border with the richest nation on earth when that richest nation on earth insists on consuming some $65 billion worth of drugs a year and insists on ceding control of of that market, of that industry, to offshore criminal organizations. There's an old saying in Mexico, perhaps you've heard it, poor Mexico, so far from God, so close to the United States. But the real curse isn't merely proximity to America. It's being sandwiched between America's insatiable demand for illicit drugs and the sources of the most valuable of those drugs, the coca fields in Colombia and Bolivia. So let's not be confused. Whatever Mexico's shortcomings are, and there are plenty, and say Canada's virtues, whatever those are, if our two neighboring countries traded places, we'd be here talking about a Canadian war tonight. Geography sometimes is destiny. Uh, I must say, though, President Obama, to his credit, has acknowledged this nexus, saying that as the ultimate consumers of the drugs flowing north, we have a shared responsibility with Mexico in confronting its war. So we should count him as a member of our team here tonight. And even, you know, Ronald Reagan, back in 1988, meeting with uh, President de la Madrid, said similar things, that the solution to the problem was for Americans to quit buying illegal drugs. And I would suggest another option, as has been suggested, is decriminalization. But we can't
0: continue to have it both ways. Thank you, Andreas Martinez. Well, our next debater is Jorge Castaneda. Jorge served as Mexico's foreign minister in the early 2000s. Also, your dad as well held that that position back in the 70s. I right. Uh, He is also uh, on the faculty here at New York University. Ladies and gentlemen, Jorge Castaneda.
6: Very quickly, first for my students. In Mexico, we have ways of knowing how you vote. (laughs) Be careful. My point is very simple here. The United States is not to blame for Mexico's drug war. Mexico is not to blame for Mexico's drug war. President Felipe Calderon is to blame for Mexico's drug war, a war of choice that he should not have declared, that cannot be won, and is doing enormous damage to Mexico. It was started on false premises that Mexican consumption had grown by 2006, which is false according to the government's own health statistics. It was premised on an increase in violence in Mexico through 2006, which is also false. Willful homicides had been decreasing in Mexico for the previous 15 years, down to levels way below those of Central America, Brazil, Colombia, etc., though still higher than the United States. Thirdly, it was premised on a loss of state capacity to enforce the law in Mexico. From what you've heard here, and quite rightly on both sides of the table, that state capacity in Mexico has never been immense, and it's not necessarily worse today than it was before. And finally, this was also a war that was predicated on the issue that there was a current explosion of war which would had to be stopped. It cannot be stopped. Why did President Calderón declare this war of choice? because he felt that he needed to legitimize himself in the view of the Mexican people because his election was questioned. I tried to run against President, a candidate, Calderón, and wasn't allowed to, and supported him actively during the campaign, during the election, and during the post-election discussion on whether the election was free and fair, which I thought it was. I thought he won, most Mexicans thought he won, but he decided that he had to legitimize himself in the eyes of the Mexican people for a questioned election. And he thought that this was the way to do it by calling the army out into the streets, donning a military uniform for the first time in 50 years of Mexican history, and trying to achieve through the war on drugs what he could have achieved in a much more useful way. We don't have to proceed the way President Calderon has. We don't have to proceed the way both the Bush and Obama's administrations, who on this point are exactly identical in their policy towards Mexico. We don't have to declare a war on all the cartels all the time, as Carlos Fuentes has said. We can do either what the Colombians did, combat collateral damages. We can pursue a policy of harm reduction in Mexico. And we can pursue a policy in the United States, Mexicans, we Mexicans, of trying to lobby in the United States in favor of decriminalization where it can be done. But the last point I want to make is the most absurd one. We have tens of people dying every day in Tijuana, on the border with the United States, sometimes 50, 60, 70. The small problem is that 120 miles north of Tijuana, in Los Angeles, there are more public legal dispensaries of medical marijuana than public schools. So we have our guys dying south of the border to stop the marijuana from entering the United States and being sold legally in Los Angeles. I think there's something fundamentally wrong with that idea. It doesn't work. It's a war that cannot be won. It's a war that should not have been waged. And it's a war that we should call off promptly. The United States is not to blame for it. Mexico is not to blame for it. It's a war of choice that President Calderón declared for strictly political reasons. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Jorge Castaneda. And that concludes round one of this Intelligence Square debate. Our motion is, America is to blame for Mexico's drug war, and we now have the results of where you, our live audience, stood before this debate began. You are the judges in this debate. Uh, You're voting both before and again at the end, and the team that changes the most of your minds will be declared our winner. Here are the results where things started at the beginning. Our motion is, America is to blame for Mexico's drug war at the start. 43% of you were for, 22% against, and 35% undecided. So we'll have you vote once again at the end of the debate, and the team that changes the most minds will be declared our winner. On now to round two of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. It's our middle round in which the debaters talk directly to one another, can challenge one another, and also we will take questions from myself and from you in the audience. And I would start to, I'd like to start by asking you, Fareed, the, the point that uh, Jorge Castaneda just made, that Mexico's drug war basically is the fault of one man, do you buy it?
1: Um, I'm a little confused listening to, the, to, to, to that whole team because, as Hutchinson says, the problem, the reason Mexico has become this, this uh, hellhole is because it did not declare a war on drugs and did not prosecute efficiently and did not take the fight to the enemy. So then they do that, and Jorge Castaneda says, that's why That's the problem. I think it just proves that this is all, you know, kabuki. What we are talking about fundamentally is, you know, these countries among the poorer countries in the world that are trying to fulfill an insatiable demand for $65 billion of product. Uh, If it goes away from Mexico, we will be back here next year and we will be talking about, uh, you know, the drug war in Peru. Somebody is going to figure out a way to supply it.
0: That somebody is Mexico
1: right now, and we're blaming them.
0: Team against, Farid Zakaria has just said you're contradicting each other. Asa Hutchinson, can you find unity?
1: Well, I I, I
2: think, uh, first of all, uh, among the six of us up here, there's probably a different position on this issue for each one of us. But what this side is united upon is the proposition. And we have to come back to the proposition that America is to blame for Mexico's drug war. And there's unity on this side that that is not the case. Whether you take the argument that uh, it is the decision of President Calderon or whether it's the fact of the historic problems uh, in Mexico, their, their lack of cooperation, their lack of the rule of law, America is not to blame. Now, let me uh, see if there's unity on your side, uh, Fareed. Uh, I just want to make it clear that if you're saying America is to blame, to me that implies that there's something wrong with our governmental policy. Now, you can argue that as individual citizens, uh, we should be making better decisions not to use drugs. But as you have libertarians on your side, that's an individual decision, not a governmental decision. So I assume that you're saying our government is doing something wrong. We've had a balanced approach, strategy, supply reduction, demand reduction, trying to teach young people to make good decisions, and rehabilitation. Do you want to move away from that to legalize marijuana, To legalize methamphetamine, what is the position of your team? Do you want to legalize all drugs? Is that the shift in policy that you wish to take? Jeffrey Myron.
3: My position, separate from the this debate, is that we should legalize all drugs. I think the unity amongst the three of us, although we probably differ in nuances of that view, is that unquestionably the magnitude of resources we devote to prohibition is grotesquely excessive, that the set of things that we prohibit is substantially excessive, that there may be a role for government to try to address the negatives associated with drug use, through treatment, through harm reduction, through various policies, but that the current practice of spending tens of billions, my, my estimate's about $80 billion a year, locking people up okay, to try to get rid of the drug trade is an incredibly counterproductive policy, and we should stop.
1: Uh, You you might be surprised, but uh, Asa, I would would join with the former presidents of Brazil and Mexico and Colombia, who recently put out a report in which they said, we just need a paradigm shift here because what we have done is criminalized and terrorized this entire process by waging war uh, on drugs. And what we need to start doing is a comprehensive review of whether there are ways to decriminalize it. Look, many countries have decriminalized drugs. I would be in favor of a a controlled, slow, incremental approach to see what happens. Uh, But I think there's no question that our current approach, massive criminalization, massive prohibitions, and uh, most importantly, the exporting of that war to other countries is producing all the violence, is producing the criminality, as, as uh, Jeff po- pointed out. The reason this whole business is violent and criminal is because we have prosecuted it as a war. There are people dying in Mexico because of those choices that we have made. Chris
0: Cox, uh, your, your expertise is, is the weapons issue. And you made an argument that laws restricting weapons won't work. The other side is making a more simple argument. The weapons are there. And they're in the hands of the cartels. Are those weapons part of the reason that the war is going on and being prosecuted?
4: Well, there's no question when drug cartels are armed with hand grenades, when they're armed with RPGs, fully automatic weapons, that there's a devastating effect uh, on not only the drug cartels themselves fighting with one another, but the innocent people in Mexico who have no ability to defend themselves whatsoever. But the question becomes more of a, a common-sense type question. Is there something that the U.S. can do from a more gun control standpoint that's going to work any better than what works now? There's a total ban on guns basically fair, fair in Mexico me now, it and it's side. not working in Mexico.
0: Andreas Martinez.
5: Yeah, uh, first off, I, I think there's a broader issue here. I mean, I would follow the money, not necessarily the guns. There are an awful lot of American guns making their way to Mexico. However, it is true that if you're making $20 to $30 billion to 30000000000 dollars in the United States because American society has decided that this one industry that it doesn't want to go away is going to be ceded to criminal organizations, you would be able to buy those guns elsewhere. I will grant you that. If the United States had the toughest gun control laws in the entire world, the Mexican drug cartels would still be armed to the teeth. What they're really getting out of the United States, first and foremost, is guns. The fact that it's very convenient for them to pick up guns while they're here tallying up their profits, that just adds an insult to injury.
0: Jorge Castaneda.
6: Um, I, I would sort of go back to a, another question. Uh, my impression is that, um, at least on that side, um, you all seem to agree that this is a failed war, which is certainly what I think. It's the title of my book. I uh, quote at length the Cedillo, Cardoso, and Gaviria document at the end, who also said it's a failed war. And I think that this is failed wars should not be waged. If you continue, if you persevere in a failed war, you will continue to fail. The question is, what should the governments do? And the problem is that the Obama administration and the Calderon administration are in total sync In continuing this failed war, pouring money into it, having more people die in Mexico because of it, while at the same time, and I agree with the Obama administration, at the same time, President Obama and Attorney General Holder say they are not going to apply federal anti marijuana laws in those states that have legalized medical marijuana, which I think is wonderful, by the way. What I don't understand is why President Obama and Attorney General Holder, on the one hand, do that, and on the other, On the other hand, give money to Calderon to wage a failed war on drugs. I think that's the real question. Jeffrey Myron. What Christopher Cox is
3: arguing is that if you take a substance, a commodity, that a large number of people want to own, and you prohibit it, a whole bunch of consequences happen. The market goes underground. It may shrink a bit. You may make it more costly, but it's not going to disappear. It's going to go underground. Then there will be corruption as people try to evade those laws. There will be violence as people in the underground market resolve their disputes. There will be poor quality control and so on and so forth. Mr. Cox makes that argument with respect to guns. He's opposed to strenuous gun laws to prohibiting guns. But exactly the same arguments apply to prohibiting drugs. The structure of the argument, the logic of the argument, is totally compelling, and it's right for both commodities, not just one and not just the other. So libertarians think that guns should be legal and drugs should be legal. I hope that my opponent agrees with that proposition.
4: Actually, I, I, agree, I agree with quite a bit of, uh, of Jeff's argument, certainly Chris not Cox. with regards to guns, but I certainly agree with your they're study. They're
1: dropping like with flies your, on that side. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Actually, I, there, there is a contradiction. Believe it or not, there is a contradiction on the other side to suggest that we have a lot of guns. Therefore, we're part of the problem is to suggest that more gun control would make us less of a problem. And I think what Jeff has argued, certainly in, in his past writings, is that homicide rates amongst countries with the highest gun control tend to be higher than homicide rates with those countries with the lowest gun control. So that's certainly an area where I agree with Jeff, but I, I would not agree with Jeff that crystal, <laughs> meth, crystal meth addicts in all over this country and that are devastating communities all over this country are in somehow a, a fair comparison to law-abiding gun owners in this country. We're so, talking about legalizing crystal meth yeah, Yes,
3: yes, because if you go back and read what people were writing in the 1950s about marijuana – They were saying things absolutely as strong, absolutely worse than what people are claiming now about crystal meth. If you look at the data on the number of people who use crystal meth, there's zillions of people using it every day, and a teeny fraction of them are doing the kinds of things that you're describing.
0: From the Rosencrantz Foundation and NPR, this is Intelligence Squared U.S., where Oxford-style debating comes stateside and takes on America's burning issues. The motion up for debate is America is to blame for Mexico's drug war. Stay with us. I'm John Donvan, and you're listening to Intelligence Squared U.S., Oxford-style debating on America's shores. Six panelists are arguing for and against the motion, which is America is to blame for Mexico's drug war. Welcome back to the program. Well, Let me ask Asa, the the, the whole decriminalization question seems to get your hackles up. Well, Uh, I mean... point his point is not whether
2: it's good or bad for the users. His point is whether it would make the war go away. And I'm going to get to that, but I would think... (laughs) I, I would think I was hoping that we would have agreement that uh, cocaine methamphetamine heroin are harmful drugs and and our goal in society would be to reduce the usage of those drugs it, after you hearing Jeffrey say, tobacco are drugs? after Jeffrey argues that methamphetamine is not as harmful as everybody says, and that would be include the decriminalization we can 't even reach an agreement on that point, but if you If you want to reduce usage, for example, Alaska. Alaska in the 70s voted to decriminalize marijuana. And once they did that, guess what happened? The usage went up. Parents did not like what they saw, and so the Alaskan voters voted to recriminalize that offense because usage went up, and that should not be the goal of parents. That's the concern of parents. In terms of the drug trafficking and the war, I would make the argument it might have some peripheral impact. It depends on, on the extent that you legalize. If you just legalize marijuana, they're not going to go away. Guess what? They've got cocaine. They've got uh, heroin, et cetera, to market. Uh, they are moving into other areas from, from uh, alien trafficking. They're business people. And the only solution to the war on drugs is the rule of law. And Mexico does not have that right now. I want them to have that. Calderon seems to want them to have it, uh, but uh, that's, the, that's the fight, is on the rule of law, and unless you you establish that, uh, decriminalization is not going to rid Mexico of the drug war. Andreas. I, I
5: totally agree that the issue is the rule of law, but it's the rule of law in this country. It's our failure to uphold the rule of law that is to blame for Mexico's drug war. We are the ones with an addiction rate of illicit drugs that's six times higher than in Mexico. We are the ones who are abusing this stuff but can't bring ourselves to legalize it, and it's people in Mexico who are dying for that. We as a society, and I don't think, you know, you can be agnostic about whether or not drugs should be legalized. If that were the subject, uh, the proposition tonight, I'm not sure which side I would be on. You can be agnostic on that, and still recognize the, the basic fact that the United States is to blame for the war on drugs. And I'm glad you mentioned immigration because you say, well, they're diversifying into human trafficking. Well, geez, I wonder why. Again, our failure to enact an immigration reform that matches supply and demand, again, we again back to my point about You're Mexico. blaming
2: the United States for a lot of ills in the well, world.
5: Well, let's think about this. We are as addicted to Mexican uh, low-cost labor as we are to imported drugs. And Mexico but think, but has but we, no
2: responsibility but whatsoever. Cannot,
5: but we cannot bring ourselves, we can't bring ourselves to create legal channels for that. So either we have to decide, let's close down the border, not import low-cost labor. Uh, and it's, the simil, it's, an, it's a parallel debate to what's happening on the drug front. To your point about marijuana, 60% of the cartel's profits come from marijuana. Audience
6: questions now. Um, if you just bring your hand up. Mr. Hutchinson started talking that as a representative of the U.S. government, he was in Mexico to bring troops to go after or armed people to go after the people that had killed Mr. Camarena. And doesn't he feel, as a representative of the American government, that he has a special duty to respect the sensitivity of the Mexican people
2: about bringing American armed forces into Mexico. Thank, thank you, sir. It is actually a, a very good point that if the United States did not regard Mexican sovereignty and we wanted to solve the transit and source country problems, we would send our troops there. But they are a sovereign nation, and we cannot go in there uh without a act of declaration of war or or some good cause which doesn't exist we're not doing that we're regarding their sovereignty but whenever we have a high regard for their sovereignty that means america is not to blame responsibility is something that's shared blame is something that is uniquely america's fault and
1: that is not the case here farid zakaria i doubt very much if we send american troops into mexico to change the fundamental fact Where there is demand, there will be supply. Guess what?
2: We're not doing that. That's not the suggestion.
1: It's not on the table. Uh, Just as a point of
6: uh, factual issues here, uh, I do not recall ever the United States having asked for U.S. troops to go to Mexico, firstly. And secondly, strangely enough, in the case of President Calderón in December of 2006, my impression – I don't know this as a fact – My impression is actually that the Bush people did not pressure him into declaring this war. This was a decision he made absolutely on his own. Unlike what had happened on other occasions under Echeverria, López Portillo, mainly De La Madrid, and then again under Salinas, my impression that then the U.S. did pressure these Mexican presidents to engage in more active drug enforcement, but the Bush people, perhaps because they had other wars to pursue, which were concentrating their attention okay, at the time,
0: the, uh, um,
6: did not pressure Mexico.
0: Uh, my question is to the, the panel that is motioning against, if you would legalize or decriminalize or end prohibition on drugs, how would these drug cartels pay for this organization? I mean, you, you, you did comment and say that they could traffic people, they could traffic illegal goods, but the bulk of the money... Comes from the illegal drugs. So if you take that revenue stream out, how could they finance the, the organization? That's what I'd like to know. Hey, so, uh, Jorge do you want to take well, that? Uh,
6: Aza, do you want to also? I, take- I think it would be very difficult for them to finance, which is why I also favor uh, growing uh, decriminalization and depenalization. I think that it would help. Uh, it's easy or relatively easy to deal, I think, with the marijuana and heroin issues. Cocaine and methamphetamine issues are complicated. They're more complicated. But you can start with something and see where it goes. The main point is I think you're, you're absolutely right. A lot of the profits would diminish. They go into the other businesses, yes, but the core business remains drugs. Uh, let's not get that part wrong. That's the core business, and if you legalize that, then yes, you will probably have them making less money
0: the other side cared to respond? If not, I'll move on. Okay.
3: The, The experience of U.S. alcohol prohibition was that the vast majority of the illegal alcohol producers became legal alcohol producers, and there was not a big surge in violence as they went into some other industry because initially there were not other industries that were highly prohibited for which they could make a lot of profit. They had to make an honest living in legal industries,
2: and the rates of returns were modest. La Cosa Nostra organized crime. Came into existence and 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 benefited tremendously after prohibition. They had plenty of work to do. Organized crime in the United States, even after prohibition, from trafficking in drugs, which were illegal. Well, <laughs> in, a, in a whole in, in a whole constitution, uh-huh.
0: And if you could stand, the mic will be handed over to you.
4: Does either side believe that um, the international drug wars could have been prevented if Richard Nixon and America didn't declare that? war on drugs.
2: Asa Hutchison. Well, I really have problems with the language that Richard, President Nixon used, war on drugs. I think that's very unfortunate because one, it implies an end. You like to have wars end. And secondly, it implies too much violence in that name. And so I, as head of the DEA, resisted using that. I like to use the fight against illegal drugs. Uh, the fight for our families, you know, reducing uh, usage and addictions. So I think that is very unfortunate. Uh, In terms of internationally, uh, sure, the United States provides leadership in terms of of the fight against illegal drugs, but the bottom line is they never do anything uh, just because the United States wants them to do it. Uh, You look at the Netherlands, for example. The Netherlands started down the path of decriminalization, They're toughening it up a little bit. They see some serious problems there. Uh, And so every country's making decisions on their own. But I say by and large, the consensus historically has been uh, drugs are harmful. Let's keep them out of our families. The best way to do that is to keep them illegal.
0: And that concludes round two of our debate.
2: Here's where we are. We are about to hear closing
0: statements from each debater. We'll have you vote again in just a few minutes, and we're a short time away from learning who is the winner of this debate. So round three, closing statements. And first, to summarize his position against our motion, America is to blame for Mexico's drug war. Asa Hutchinson, former congressman, DEA administrator,
2: and undersecretary for the Department of Homeland Security. If you had asked the question, does America have some responsibility uh, in terms of their drug consumption as to the challenges that Mexico faces, I would have to agree with that. But I think that is totally different, and that's not your decision today. It is is America to blame. That implies that we are doing something wrong in our policy, and I don't believe that we are. And I, And secondly, it implies that somehow we have made Mexico make these decisions. Mexico, rightfully so, stands... Uh, tall among the sovereign nations of the world. It was their Congress that has said drugs are illegal in their country. It is, it is their culture that has resulted in, according to President Calderon, a culture of corruption in that country that they have to address. They say it's because we have a consumption problem. That might be debate. I think the evidence is that marijuana use has declined from the 90s of 9.1 percent to 6.8 percent. It might go up. Your but time now is it's down.
0: Thank you. Asa Hutchinson. And now summarizing his position for this motion, Fareed Zakaria, editor of Newsweek International and host of CNN's Fareed Zakaria GPS.
1: Thank you all very much. I want to tell you an anecdote. I was in Singapore uh, about 15 years ago, and the Uh, leader of Singapore, Lee Kuan Yew, was was coming under some uh, pressure because he had very uh, strict drug testing programs in Singapore. And he explained the problem to me this way. He said, you see, you Americans look at things very differently than we do. When you have a drug problem, you, you look around and say, where are the drugs coming from? Panama. Let's go and invade Panama, arrest the president, put him in jail, and that's how we'll solve the drug problem. He said, I don't have that option in Singapore. I've got to actually deal with the problem I have in my society. And for that reason, I'm going to have intrusive drug testing. You don't have to believe in decriminalization to believe that we are exporting this problem and have been exporting the the, the war and the criminalization from the Caribbean through Colombia and now into Mexico. It is very important that America own up to its responsibilities, that we not push the blame on one more Poor country, on one more neighbor, that we recognize that we do have something to do with what is going on.
0: Thank you. Karid America is to blame for Mexico's drug war, is our motion, and summarizing his position against that motion, Chris Cox, chief lobbyist for the National Rifle Association.
4: Thank you. What's clearly not to blame is America's Second Amendment or the lack of some law (laughs) to outlaw what's already illegal on both sides of the border. To even suggest that this criminal enterprise has anything to do with our rights is absurd. It's preposterous. So, let me be clear where we come from. Do we support the current administration's proclaimed conviction to hunt down and root out the drug cartels? Absolutely. Do we feel for the poor Mexican people who are being terrorized by narco-terrorists, they're abandoned by their own officials, they're left defenseless by their own, their own government? Of course we do, passionately. But are we going to give up our Second Amendment rights on some empty promise that this is going to make the Mexican people safer? Not now and not ever.
0: Thank you, Chris Cox. <laughs> Summarizing for our motion, America is to blame for Mexico's drug war, Jeffrey Myron, a senior lecturer and director of undergraduate studies in the Department of Economics at Harvard.
3: Let me start by conceding some elements of merit in my opponent's points. First, I think Mr. Cox is absolutely right. U.S. gun policy has nothing to do with the issue. There would be just as much of a drug war, uh, just as much violence. If we banished U.S. guns, the guns would come from somewhere else. I think Mr. Hutchinson has a fair point. Countries are meant to be sovereign. Mexico could, in principle, say, we don't care what U.S. policy is. We don't care about NAFTA. We don't care how much the U.S. is harassing us. We're going to legalize drugs or we're going to de-escalate our own drug wars because that's a sensible thing to do. In principle, could they do that on their own? Yes. Would they come under enormous international pressure and U.S. pressure? Absolutely. So I think he's painting much, much too optimistic a case. I think that Jose Castaneda has a a very valid point. Certainly the situation got much worse when Calderon escalated, and the degree to which you try to enforce a drug war plays a huge role in how bad it is. Many European countries have laws which are not so different than the U.S. laws, but they basically do almost nothing to try to enforce them. They leave the cartels, they leave the suppliers basically alone, and they don't get nearly the magnitude of violence and other negative side effects. So there's certainly a valid point there as well. I'd also note I think that four of the six of us here could agree that we would have liked the question to have been, should the U.S. and Mexico de-escalate their war on drugs? I think the three of us here, along with Jose, would all agree in the affirmative for that, so perhaps we can have another discussion on that point. But at the end of the day, the fact is that the U.S., throughout the last 90 years, has done everything in its power to push its puritanical, prohibitionist message and policy on the rest of the world, Mexico being very much at the forefront and going back well before Felipe Calderon. So, yes, America is to blame
0: for the, for the drug wars in Mexico. Thank you, Jeffrey Myron. <laughs> Summarizing against our motion, Jorge Castaneda, former foreign minister of Mexico and here at New York University, professor of political science and Latin American studies at New York University.
6: I think that if we accept the premise that the United States is to blame for the war, which I do not because, as I said, I think this is President Calderón's war, and it did begin now. The previous six presidents of Mexico have contained, with more or less corruption, more or less violence, more or less intelligence, the cartels, but did not declare this generalized war on them. The first time that has happened is now. The question is, is there any change in the United States situation in the last two or three years, that has had a direct impact on Mexican production, violence, corruption, etc. My sense is that overall, demand has been more or less stable for all drugs. And on the gun question, I also think that there's no significant change. It's not that all of a sudden there are more guns going to Mexico. And finally, with our motion,
0: America is to blame for Mexico's drug war. Summarizing for the motion, Andreas Martinez, director of the New America Foundation, Bernard L. Schwartz Fellows Program, and a former editor at the LA Times.
5: Uh, first off, I, I just quickly wanted to take issue again with, uh, with Jorge on this question of you know, whether the drug the war started uh, under President Calderón. And yes, there was a, uh, a frontal declaration against all cartels all the time, as you put it. But I think the alt- it's very cynical to say, well, the government should have continued accommodating with these cartels, and uh, clearly this day of reckoning was, was in the offing, one sooner or later. But I think, again, America is to blame for the violence, for the war. I think the fact that we've spent so much time talking about whether or not to legalize uh, is indicative that we all understand that the root cause here is the fact that we have this massive market in this country for a product that we have also made illegal. $65 billion is more than 5% of Mexico's GDP. We have to accept that our actions have consequences. We can't constantly outsource the repercussions of our hypocrisy. Please accept responsibility and vote with us that America is to blame for Mexico's drug war.
0: And that concludes our closing statements. And now it is time to learn which side argued best. Our motion has been, America is to blame for Mexico's drug war. Before the debate, 43% of you were for the motion, 22% of you were against, and 35% were undecided. After the debate, 72% of you are for the motion, 22% remain against, and 6% undecided. The side for the motion wins. Congratulations to that side, and thank you for me, John Donvan, and Intelligence Squared U.S. This Intelligence Squared U.S. debate, presented by the Rosencrantz Foundation, was held at New York University's Skirball Center for the Performing Arts. Robert Rosencrantz is chairman. Dana Wolf is the executive producer. Maureen McMurray and Rob Christensen are the radio producers. Damon Whitmore is the audio engineer. And I'm your host, John Donvan. For more information or to purchase tickets to future events, visit www.iq2us.org. That's IQ plus the number 2 plus US org. Intelligence Squared is distributed by NPR, National Public Radio.